to a very special Halloween episode of Awake Not Woke podcast. This is episode 22. And as always, my name is Sarah. I love Halloween. I love getting spooked. I love trick-or-treating. I love everything about it. I love dressing up. So I was really excited that Halloween fell on a Sunday this year and we got to do a Halloween special. I was really, really stoked about that. So we're just going to be breaking down Halloween's history and how it became the holiday that we know it of today. And what is a Halloween special without some spooky stories provided by your amazing co-host Chast. And she has just had so many interesting, paranormal, strange things happen to her. So stay tuned for that in the second half of the episode. But before we get to that, remember to follow us on Instagram at Awake Not Woke Podcast, on Twitter at Awake Not Woke Pod. And we have a website, awakenotwokepodcast.com. We have a contact page on that website. If you ever feel so inclined to hit us up, send us some information our way, or you have any questions, anything really, just just talk to us. We'd love to hear from you. We also have some growing pages on the website of resources. When I have time, I will be adding more to that. So go explore and see see what's on there. It's going to be changing all the time. Also, leave us a review if you if you would be so kind on Apple Podcasts. It really, really helps us if you just take a few seconds to leave us a couple stars, preferably five, and something nice to say on there. And while you're there, make sure you follow us. We have new episodes coming out every Sunday at 4.44 a.m. Eastern Time, so I don't want you to miss them. They're all great, especially this one, spooky season. Love it. But follow us and subscribe so you get notified when those come out. We also have a value for value merch shop. We sell shirts, hats, mugs, and you can also donate to the show to keep us going. And whatever value you are getting out of this show, try to put a number on it that means something to you and send it our way. Right now we are using Etsy. Eventually that will morph into our own branded shop. But for right now, go check out our Etsy shop and see what we have up on there. And while you're on Etsy, you can check out Chass's Etsy at 5D Impressions Shop. She makes hand-stamped jewelry and she's going to have apparel. It's awesome. She does custom pieces. Check that out. Get get your girlfriend or your boyfriend something, something special, you know, something custom. And uh, I think that's all I have to say. So without further ado, episode 22, the Halloween 101 special with yours truly and my co-host Chas. This is Awake Not Woke podcast and I hope you enjoy. <laughs> that was bad. I'm sorry. I'll never do that again. <laughs> enjoy. Enjoy. 
Hello, welcome back to Awake Not Woke podcast. This is Chess and Sarah. Hi. And it's been a minute since we've recorded. So this is going to be really nice and refreshing and fun. And we're going to get a little spooky for spooky season. So today we're going to be talking about Halloween and All Hallows Eve and all the things associated with that. Uh, Yeah. And some brief history on it and some spooky stories of our own. So Mostly chasses. Mostly mine. Actually entirely chasses. I could not think of any actual spooky stories that I had. And like, Um, I don't know about spooky, but definitely weird. Yeah. And I guess paranormal-esque in theme of Halloween. Yes. That realm. So it'll be really, really fun. And I'm excited to learn more about the history of this holiday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm so excited. I freaking love Halloween. It's always been my favorite holiday. And this episode is coming out on Halloween. So that's super fun. And you'll get to listen to it on the day Uh that we're talking about, which I really love and which is why I really wanted to do this special today. But let's talk about, uh, first, we're going to talk about the origins and the history of Halloween and kind of how our modern society got to where it is. This is very much going to be like a 101 type episode because there's a lot of history behind Halloween and a lot of like little nuanced details of how the holiday became what it is today with like trick or treating and and dressing up and all these different aspects that we think of of Halloween. It it took a lot of like development to get there. Um, so it started out essentially as the pagan, the Celtic holiday, I should say, of Samhain. Um, you've probably heard or seen this word around somewhere, but it looks like Samhain. And yeah. It's pronounced Samhain. Samhain. Um, it is a Celtic holiday or a Celtic, uh, it's in the Celtic calendar, I should say. And it was the harvest festival that started the dark half of the calendar. So the Celtics divided the the year into the dark half and the light half. And the uh, Samhain was the start of the dark half. And it makes sense because fall is like the decay and the death of everything. And then I don't remember like the day that is the start of the light half. I know there's like another holiday uh, of the Celtics, but that's not what I was looking into. And then that's like life and rebirth. And we have like Easter around that time. Yeah. So it's probably has something to do with that. But Samhain was this, the harvest festival um, that started the dark half of the year. And it was allegedly when the veil between the world of the living and the world of the dead was the thinnest because this is when everything is dying. So it's when the dead and the worlds that we cannot see have more access to this world because everything's starting to die. Honestly, just furthers the whole idea of realm simulation theory, because why is there even a veil? If right, <laughs> right. Like what? why it should just be this should be everything. If it wasn't a simulation, it right. would be just the physical world but we're not physical we're vibrating atoms that look like we're physical so it makes sense to me and there's a lot of like symbols that we associate with halloween that just kind of slowly developed over time like during Samhain, they would have like big bonfires and celebrate like their last harvest before winter and bonfires 
were pretty much like the only light they could have back then. They didn't really have electricity. So the bonfires attracted bugs, which would attract bats. And the bats only come out at night. So this was probably one of the only times these people saw bats because they were outside at night when they normally weren't and they were having these big bright lights and the bats would swoop in and eat the bugs and they just became associated with this time and with death and you see bats everywhere around Halloween. So that's kind of where that symbol came from. Um, But eventually Christians adopted all the pagan holidays to make it easier to convert pagans to Christianity and that's when they started adopting Halloween. So Uh, I have some kind of disjointed notes about this part of history because it's, it's a lot. So I didn't want to go into too much detail. Um, but the pagans, cause Samhain is a Celtic holiday. It's often associated with like pagans as well, but it is specifically on the Celtic calendar. Um, but the pagans had the Lumeria festival. It was on May 13th and they honored the dead on this day. Um, and the Christian- Did you say Lumeria? Yeah. Lima- L-E-M-U-R-I-A. Yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 That's associated with like Tataria and like all of that shit. Yeah. That's, it, there's so, a lot to have a conversation. That's why I have very brief notes on all of this because it's all, it's can go very in depth. But the Christians turned it eventually into All Saints Day and they moved it to November 1st. I don't, again, don't have any real details about like specifically why they did this, but they were trying to Christianize the already pagan holidays. So it wasn't as difficult for uh, like pagans to adopt Christianity. They could just keep their normal holidays and change the name pretty much. Yeah. Um, but it, they moved it to November 1st and they began to call it Hallow's Day. So like like the hallowed day and eventually October 31st became known as like all hallows Eve, which eventually was shortened over time to Halloween. So that's where the name came from. Um, And then eventually November 2nd became all souls day in the, I think it was like Catholic or just like general Christian calendar. Um, And that was the day they prayed for souls in purgatory. So there's a lot of just historical theme of worshiping the dead right around October 31st, November, because that's really like the turn of it's not summer anymore. We can't harvest our crops anymore. And it's about to be like the dead of winter. So they would pray for souls in purgatory and uh, pray for them to move on to whatever life that they after whatever happened after that. Um, And that's where this whole like spookiness around this time kind of originated from because there was just a lot of ritual and talk about dead people around this time, which again, makes a lot of sense. Um, But that's not exactly what we think of when we think of Halloween. The first thing I think of is candy and trick or treating. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like this super fun time when you get to just dress up and be someone different. Yeah. And, uh, trick or treating started with this whole All Souls Day and this All Saints Day. Kids would go to houses asking for what they were called soul cakes. And in exchange for soul cakes, these kids would pray for the souls in purgatory. So hmm. they started going door to door. And I don't know exactly like how that started, but it just kind of became this little ritual tradition that on All Souls Day, people would make soul cakes and uh, other handmade goodies and the kids would come pray for 
for the souls and we can get the cake. So that was kind of like the first ever uh, association with this going door to door situation. And that evolved over time as well. I also have some notes about like other symbols that we associate. So like witches are often associated with Halloween and ghosts. Yeah, exactly. And the ghost bats earlier. For sure. The ghosts kind of come from like this, this purgatory, like the souls ever walking the earth and they're trying to move them on to the next life. So that's kind of where the ghost came from. Um, I think I have something about like the the white sheet ghost on here. But witches, there was like the witch panic in the 1600s and it really scared Christians. So they kind of just roped it in to the Halloween uh, symbolism, the ideology behind Halloween because it was like, all the spooky, scary things that witches could do and a lot of the tools that witches would use. And in the documentary that I watched that kind of briefly explained all of this, they obviously weren't saying like witches were real witches like we think. Um, They were kind of saying these were probably just medicine women or healers of some sort. And the tools that they would commonly use just got roped in with all their stuff like brooms and cauldrons and cats even. Like it was probably old ladies that lived in the woods that knew how to make like... uh, potions i don't know i don't know what word cat yeah yeah literally like so it just sounds like a dream it sounds great um but these were considered witches and if they ever did anything that the christians didn't understand they were just scared and called witches and it got roped in with all this halloween talk and so the endless cycle of life and death is often associated with this. And the witches were also like defying this life death cycle in a way by healing people yeah. or creating these elixirs. That's the word I was looking for. Elixirs to heal people. And it was probably just herbal mixes that had certain chemical properties that did actually work. And people didn't understand it at the time, but because they were disrupting this endless cycle, they got roped in as well. Um, same with the whole like mass and costume thing. Uh, people in England would around this time go door to door, like performing certain like plays or uh, acting out certain. I don't know if it was like Bible stories or stories of people that I think died. I've heard something about this. Yeah, and they would like dress up and go door to door doing that um, in exchange for treats again. But it was still like homemade stuff. It wasn't like just our packaged candy that we have today. Because right. this was still we're still in pretty far back history as far as we're concerned, like 16, 1700s. Um, and in 17th century England, there was a guy named Guy Fox, which I've heard the name before, but I didn't know like where he came from. But he was a pro-Catholic terrorist, <laughs> which is great. Um, I just love that phrase. What? I know. That's what they called him. It was a pro-Catholic terrorist. And in on November 5th, 1605, he tried to blow up a house of lords and he used like a bunch of like gunpowder barrels or something and tried to blow it up and allegedly 
because he did this, his body was quartered and burned. So England began to have Guy Fawkes Day on November 5th. And on the anniversary, they would have all these big bonfires and kids would go around causing trouble, just like in honor of how crazy Guy Fawkes was. So that's where we're starting to get into the trick situation. Like Got it. we had the the honest and pure soul cake situation where kids were just praying for the souls. But then this Guy Fawkes, which also happened around, again, November 5th, like this turning to the season's time kids just kind of thought that was cool that he was being rebellious so kids would start doing all these little pranks but they weren't like harmless pranks they some of them were but there was often like kids throwing rocks through windows or burning stuff down and it sounds like devil's night now yes so like the night before halloween i think is devil's night right yep correct yeah and it was a real problem so eventually the governments were like the religious societies that were kind of in control at the time was like, we got to do something about this. Like we have to convince the kids that this is not fun. Like they, they need to do something else yeah. for Halloween or for Guy Fox day or whatever they called it at the time. Um, and it wasn't until 1833 that there was the first record of an American Halloween party. Um, and I, I it's again, kind of disjointed information yeah. here, but in 1865, so 1833 was the first like people got together around this time and kind of celebrated this uh, death, uh, decaying life death cycle. But then in 1865, the Civil War had ended and there were a lot of dead people that were just everywhere because there obviously the Civil War happened on our land and there were bodies everywhere that were unidentified. They didn't know how they died. So more just like spooky stuff that is happening. So this is kind of where like the boogeyman legend started to come in and we get more into like the monsters and the like unexplained the creatures. Yeah. yeah. So now we're easing into that. So it started out just like it was a pagan holiday. We worshiped the dead and the Christians were like, okay, we're going to, we're going to do that too, but we're going to do it more our way, like purgatory, saints day, souls day. Um, and then across, across the pond, they were having Guy Fox day and that of uh, eventually got brought over to us and, um, the jack-o'-lantern started to happen. So, it was in Europe when the whole jack-o'-lantern thing started, but they used to carve turnips and put candles in turnips. Um, and then the Americans' children started carving pumpkins. And what hmm. they would do is they would carve the pumpkin and put a candle in it, but they would put it on a stick and then put a sheet over the stick. And they would like go to houses and hold it up in windows to scare the crap out of people because... I mean, people, this was a new symbol. It wasn't like associated with, oh, just kids being kids. It was, they were like genuinely scaring the crap out of people. So that's where like the white sheet ghost kind of comes from too, because it would be this like ethereal looking creature that just popped up in your window with this flowing ghostly body and a glowing eyes and face. And if you don't know what you're looking at, that's probably a terrifying sight. So now we're getting more into like, boo spooky like scary kind of halloween that we know of um but these symbolisms were slowly collected over time the halloween that we know is a hodgepodge of all of this different historical information um and 
even in the 20th century, like early 1900s, uh, kids were pranking everybody. Um, there, there was a cute old man in the documentary that I watched and he was just like, yeah, we didn't really do anything that bad, but we would just go around. Uh, oh, I think they like pushed a tractor up to the top of like a hill and they just like pushed it all the way up there. So when the owners came out, their tractor was just on top of a hill. So just silly stuff like yeah. that. But it again began to get really destructive. So in England, they had Guy Fox Day and they had that whole problem made its way across the pond to America and kids were getting destructive again. So cities started to throw parties specifically for kids and for Halloween to try and make the kids less attracted to these destructive activities. Um, so it kind of started getting commercialized in the early 1900s in America. And they would throw like city parties. There would be Halloween parades. Um, and companies started to manufacture products for Halloween. Yeah. And it's it's it was interesting to me to hear all this because that's pretty recent. Obviously, all these symbols are very ancient symbols that have been collected, like the life death cycle, bats, uh, even like ghosts and the, the thinning of the veil. These are kind of like the core of Halloween. These have existed for a very long time. And that's why I think it's it's pretty legitimate to consider Halloween a very sacred time for honoring the dead. But in the early 1900s, America capitalized the crap out of it and started to make costumes to sell to people. It started out like paper costumes and paper masks that were like really low quality stuff and um, kids actually started like getting light on fire because they were freaking paper. Oh so there was a lot of instances of those catching on fire. So it was Sears that began to sell high quality costumes in 1930. And again, that's just so recent. That's not even a hundred years ago from when we're talking about right. this. So that's just really interesting to me how everything we think of to be Halloween pretty much and again, the whole thinning of the veil thing, we only know about that because we're interested in witchcraft and we know about Samhain and all these paganism things. So it's not a common thing to know that Halloween has anything to do with this like grander cycle of life. It was Sears and all these large corporations that started monetizing this holiday yeah. Which they eventually did with everything. Um, but the whole trick-or-treating kind of came from this whole bribing kids to do something more wholesome instead of going and tr causing chaos and breaking windows and doing things that were actually really destructive. Um, and it was literally candy that finally curbed this chaos that children were causing because they realized if they just gave them candy and and told them, hey, if you if you dress up and show me your costume, I'll just give you some candy. Like, don't trick me. Ha ha. Treat. <laughs> and it wasn't until like some magazine they like used the term trick or treat that that really became like what Halloween was. Um, In like a conspiracy realm, I so many things. One, I need to know more about Guy Fox, which is for another time. Yes. Yes. Two, I need to know who owned Sears. Yep. Three, I need to know, I don't need to know, I already know, the fact that sugar is the bribe Yeah. is the control. Like, I mean, because yeah. what, what is sugar to our, to our bodies? 
unnatural poison poison causes cancer causes all of these things the the soul cakes that were sold back in the day i'm sure weren't filled with a bunch of granulated sugar i mean i'm sure they had some of that back then but it was probably mostly like milk eggs some wheats probably like honey or something it wasn't it wasn't packaged candy no and also like it's crazy to me that now if it if somebody were to like make a bunch of cookies to give kids for Halloween, people would freak out and freak I, the fuck. And out. I actually have something in here too about that because we, the trick or treating started, and when it started, like in the early 1900s, there wasn't much packaged candy, so people would make like popcorn balls and cookies, right, and, and homemade like caramel apples and stuff like that, and give that to the kids, and everybody was fine with it. Uh, another thing that has changed significantly is. The parents were like, yeah, get out of my house. Go wander around on your own for four hours and I don't care. And now that's like uh, most parents don't want their kids trick or treating by themselves. I was lucky enough to be able to do that when I was old enough, like middle school, high school. I went by myself. But even when we were younger, that was a little less taboo. And now we have all this like overprotective parent culture where they're so terrified that things bad things are going to happen and there are a lot of more bad things happening to children um so yeah that those are all really interesting points that i would be interested in going on a lot more detail on but i knew we would have a lot to talk about with this like general basic history and i don't think a lot of people know this like basic history so i wanted to provide a nice basic timeline to explain how we got from Samhain to trick-or-treating in Hershey's bars. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, so candy finally curbed the pranking. And once trick-or-treating was like firmly established as like every year around this time, we're going to give you candy if you dress up. That's when Hollywood started to get involved. So the first Halloween movie, uh, I don't have the name, but the first like Halloween adult movie was Halloween with Michael Myers. And Mm -hmm. that came out in like the 70s, I'm pretty sure. So again, very, very recent as far as we're concerned like extremely recent right um but charlie brown and the great pumpkin was the first mainstream on tv for everybody to watch thing about halloween other than probably like news stories and stuff and everybody knows that everybody knows about the charlie brown it's still a tradition of like it comes on cbs or whatever every year around that time and it was really the time when this really became a capitalistic thing. I mean, Sears selling costumes is obviously a huge capitalism, but now we're advertising about it. Yeah. And we're saying this is okay to 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 think about this, yet we're also not explaining you the history behind it. And you don't actually understand what's going on around this time. Um, but something important to point out here is everything I've been talking about, except for maybe like traditional Samhain has been for children. Halloween has like a lot of times been aimed at kids causing mischief or wanting candy or just finding other things to do because they were just kids who wanted more stuff to do. So it was an exciting time to dress up and be someone who you weren't. And it wasn't until Hollywood got involved that they started turning it into adults. So like our grandparents had not didn't go to Halloween parties, thought it was all for children. And right. it wasn't until like the 70s when these spooky movies and these scary movies that were 
directly branded for Halloween, it started becoming an adult thing. So capitalism turned it into this thing where adults could be someone who they weren't also and they could go out and party and just dress up and be completely ridiculous and completely against the mainstream and it was this one time a year that that was okay yeah and i think that also in the like conspiracy realm points towards this conformity that we are all pushed towards where like you have to conform you shouldn't be different you shouldn't have different thoughts you should listen to what you're told and Halloween was the one time a year where they're like, hey, okay, you can you can do wild stuff this time of year. So it almost feels like this control mechanism where if they didn't allow they, as in the social engineers, if there wasn't some time when it was socially acceptable to let loose and to be completely different and completely someone you would want to be or who you aren't, if they didn't give us some time to allow that, a lot more people would end up breaking this conformity because it would just be too much to hold it all in. Right. And if you think about the people who are really into Halloween, they are really into that aspect of it. They love dressing up. They love playing the role of being the part. And then the rest of the year, they're kind of just fitting in their little box. So I thought that was really interesting too, because I always thought of Halloween as something that it was everybody dressed up. I mean, even the parents go trick or treating with their kids these days because again, they're too worried about having their kids go off on their own. So they dress up too and they go trick or treating too and they have parties too. And it really wasn't until Hollywood got involved when that happened. Um, And then the last thing they talked about like in this modern age was the whole razor blades and apples thing and the can Mm. the poison candy so it's it's interesting that you you brought that up before i even got there because that's exactly another fear that they put into people where they were like don't give them apples there might be razor blades in it or like the razor blades stuck in uh like homemade popcorn balls or whatever and people got really scared so it was like just buy this packaged candy it's sealed you know there's nothing in it Ugh. yeah so that's that's really interesting it's to awfully, think awfully 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 lushy yeah. as well yes like yes i that's a new term for me but now that i have a good understanding of what it means putting this, all your attention this is that because whether you direct it at razor blades and apples or spooky stories it's still encouraging the collective to engage in this level of fear that occupies your energetic field yeah and that's that's what everything draws from is this energy that we are releasing and exuding so if everybody is releasing the super low vibe energy it's just going to anchor in the low vibe right and even like the if you walk into a halloween store right now and you look at costumes how many female costumes are going to involve like not having your tits out right (laughs) very few so it's kind of also focusing on this like they're pushing you to be who they want you to be they want you to be focused on your image they want you to spend money on candy and uh costumes and looking good and and living up to some expectation of what they are making halloween out to be when it really should be a time to honor the dead and also to honor the parts of yourself that might be dead and that might need reviving and i think that's where this costume tradition is awesome because you can 
dress up and go against the norm. It's like a physical representation of something that you might be feeling. Yeah, or something you might fear and that you're embracing. And it's definitely not played off that way. It's it's played off as like, just just dress up and be sexy or, or go to parties and get drunk. Like it, it's very like put your attention on the things that don't actually matter and forget these ancient principles that are that are the foundation of this holiday. Right. Um, it is very loosey. And it's it's interesting when you start realizing the loose stealing that goes on, you start to see it everywhere. Because even like this brief, brief timeline that I gave to you guys, it's it's very uh, bare bones, but you can see the transformation from like, we were just normal townsfolk that were, even after the Christians adopted the pagan holiday, even if you were a complete Christian and you only celebrated All Saints Day or All Hallows Day or whatever, or All Souls Day, you were still imbibing by this grander principle of I'm I'm not alone. There is more out there. There are souls walking in purgatory. Yeah. There's there's a grander principle at work here. And even if they were unintentionally worshiping a pagan holiday, it was still not about focusing on these very minor, very shallow things. It was about finding ways to appreciate the dead, even like the soul cakes or going door to door, dressing up, doing like plays. It yeah. was about this honor. And now it's about just complete selfish. And like fear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. I mean, even the whole. It, that's a facet of it. It's not the whole thing. But, but even but. like it's it's scary or spooky the, that there are dead people walking the earth or the veil is thinner. And that is something that is scary. And even like the whole bonfire thing. They didn't have electricity. They didn't have flashlights. So the right. dark was scary. You didn't go outside at night. You didn't know what was out there. So you you stayed in your safe home with your fireplace and your candles and shit. So on Halloween, you came out and you honored that the dead were so close to life and you lit up the world around you. So it wasn't about being scared. It was about honoring the scary things out there. And now it's about just embracing fear, <laughs> which don't get me wrong. I love a haunted house. I love scary movies. I love being like spooked. Yeah. But there's a difference between spooked and scared. Yeah. And that's where the line gets really blurred in our modern culture. And it's really, it's it's disrespectful to how powerful this holiday is. Um, and people just don't understand that. Right. But yeah, that's basically all I have. It was, I have a lot of stuff written down, but it's because I just briefly gave you each little step of the way on this timeline. And it's it's very interesting. Maybe if in like next Halloween, we can pick one of these Guy topics. Fox. Okay, great. Guy Fox. We'll 2022, do all- Guy Fox. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Halloween 2022. I'll be about Guy Put Fox. Put it in your bullet journal. Planner. Yeah, I do have a three-year planner. So. We both do. We have the same one. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I doubt that our episode, like I don't think Halloween will be on a Sunday again, but whatever Sunday is closest yeah. to Halloween will certainly be about Guy Fox because this is definitely a one-on-one episode but I didn't even know a lot of this and I have looked into Samhain so I thought it was really interesting and I wanted to share but the best part about a Halloween special is the spooky stories and Chas is here to deliver 
So yes. let's get on to that. Okay, put like spooky music here right now. <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah, so I, I I kind of have a collection of just different uh, things that I would kind of classify as spooky in my mindset. Um, I will say that it's kind of a, it's just different things I've experienced all throughout my life. So these are actually things that have happened to me. It's not something I've heard about through somebody else. Right. We're um, not talking like Bloody Mary here. No. And I'm not talking like, I, I I'll, I'll just tell you. So in no particular order, I, I didn't really write them down in a chronological way, but I guess I could kind of go at it from that angle. Um, so the first thing that I want to bring up is my first ever nightmare. And I say that because that was my first real experience with fear. And when it comes to these spooky stories and these things in their spooky nature, it is from that place of fear, you know? I mean, being spooked and like you said, embracing fear are different things, but it comes from that same source. So this first nightmare that I ever had was more of like a lucid dream. I was like five or six years old. And I remember that I had a friend sleeping over that night and I woke up uh, in the middle of the night and she was gone. And she was just in my parents' room, but I was like real freaked out because I had just had a dream that I had been kidnapped. Oh my so gosh. I was again like five or six years old. This was pre-parents divorce. So both my parents were home. And I remember there was a robber in our house. and In the dream. In my dream. And my dad and I were in my parents' bedroom. And I remember him putting his finger over his mouth like, shh. And I, like, I could see this right now as if it happened. And he pointed under the bed. Something happened after that. And then I was in a yellow taxi with my kidnappers. And we drove around and I remember being in the back seat, seeing the sky move. That's mm-hmm. how I knew I was in a car, like a moving yeah. vehicle. Um, and then ultimately I ended up in a warehouse of sorts on a giant cement block. Oh my and gosh. I can remember it from being on the block, but also from watching me be on the block. So it's like two perspectives and I was on this block for however long, I don't know. And then my legs got chopped off. Holy shit. And I was like five. So I really don't know like where this came from. Right, like um, I didn't watch any scary. I was five. Yeah. Like I don't know what's going on. But for I real. woke up sweating to death. And I remember I just went into my parents' room, found my friend, and I was just like, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. But like. Yeah. You were like, you left me. And I got kidnapped because of it. Yeah. <laughs> but I just remember like laying in my mom's bed watching the clock for the next till sunrise right so that was my first experience with fear and actually that instance stayed with me for a really long time um so i had a very big fear of sleeping in my own room after that Mm -hmm. because i was scared that i was gonna get kidnapped yeah and i actually like slept on my parents floor till i was like nine oh my gosh yeah or in the living room yeah so that was my first experience with like fear now getting into more of like a paranormal i just wanted to set the tone because like yeah it started at five you for actually me is what just I'm saying. you you reminded me of a crazy dream i had that was very scary and kind of fits into this theme it's a very short story but my dad had a camper and in the camper we'd go up camping and dirt biking all the time and i would sleep in the top bunk but this is a camper bunk so it was literally like v- barely fit one person and it was kind of like a little box. So there was a wall on all sides of me and there was a little cutout that I would jump into the the bunk in. And I had a dream that I was in a coffin and then I woke up 
literally in a box and I was facing the wall. So the opening was behind me, but I was facing the wall. So I hit in front of me and there's a wall. I hit above me and there's a wall. I hit above my head, which was like where my pillow was and there's a wall. And had I like just reached behind me, I would have realized I'm not in a box, but it was pitch black because we were up north and we didn't have any lights on. So I, I, I literally thought I woke up in a coffin. And that was one of the scariest moments in my life. Just like genuinely thinking I was buried alive for a moment. Well, and it's it's just crazy how dreams can have that kind of impact on you. And you just reminded me of that. So. Yeah. And it's impactful. Like fear is one of those emotions, experiences, whatever you want to call it, that leaves an imprint. So, for sure. And when you have that imprint, I feel like any other experience moving forward somehow always stems from this first initial experience with fear. So that's why I wanted to bring it up. One, it's a pretty fucked up nightmare for a five-year-old <laughs> yeah. to have. Like, what the hell? Also, I wonder if in a past life you got your legs chopped off or some shit. Probably right before I came here. I was five. I was fresh out of there. Oh so I gosh. mean, that's some weird shit probably went down beforehand. Yeah. Because I don't know what five-year-old just has this. I don't I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Like where did I I have make a question about the the cement box that you were like It was a block. A block. So yeah. it was like a big square yeah, cube. like a rectangle. Okay. And it was 3D like filled in yeah. on all sides, but it was like to the floor and it was just cement. It was like a light gray cement. Nice. And the whole room was cement. It all looked the same and there was just like a rectangle block and I was laying on it. And then like just kind of like, like a like a table situation yeah. oh my god that's crazy yeah did you see who chopped off your legs or anything or it was just like no. all of a sudden i remember feeling the knife hit my legs because it was very cold and i woke up oh. and i knew what was happening jesus and that's when i went and found my friend yeah in my mom's bed and i was like okay <laughs> you can get out you can leave <laughs> um so another experience i had before i get into like things that i've actually seen um so I think you and I have talked about our experience with the Ouija board previously. So Sarah and I have used yep. a Ouija board before, which I think would just be a cool thing to talk about in general. But I think we told that story in the witchcraft episode. Probably. I think I think we did. So the first time I used a Ouija board was not that. I had actually used a Ouija board with my aunt and my cousin. I was probably around the age of, I don't know, early teens, I would say, between 12 and 14. And um, Was this your witchy aunt? Uh, no, this was like my biological aunt. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. So my witchy aunt is more of like a person I met through my, f like a really close family friend. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is like my one of my biological aunts. So we went in the basement of my house and I think the reason we even had a Ouija board there was because my cousin or my aunt was like storing stuff there in our basement. And they brought up that they had a Ouija board. And I remember we kind of like made a little plan to do it and I don't remember if we told my mom what we were doing she probably would have said no <laughs> but probably yeah <laughs> so I remember like we went to Walmart and like we got a, a white and black candle um we got incense and like incense burners and stuff like we were like setting up for this and at this point in my life coming from a very religious upbringing was your aunt your mom's sister <laughs> oh my god she's like all for it and we're like in there in my mom's house <laughs> I love it so is my cousin which was my aunt's son got it so we had like really set the vibe for this. And at this point, I'd never experienced anything like this at all because all I knew was church. And the only fear that I had was the fear of God and the fear of going to hell. So when it came to this stuff, I was very curious um, because I had never been exposed to it. So it was very exciting for me at that age as well. So we get out the Ouija board, we set the whole thing up and 
What happened was pretty fucking nuts. We actually heard from my grandpa, who I had never met. I had never met my grandpa. He died when I was a baby. I know he held me once, and that was it. But my aunt obviously grew up with him, and my cousin knew him. So we, I I don't remember, like, we just kind of all sat down, and we were all, you know, I what is that freaking thing called on the Ouija board? Uh, The planchette or whatever? Yeah, whatever it's called. We all had our hands in a, you know, classic Ouija board. And it started to move and it spelt out my aunt's name, like her nickname, uh, which is Kat. So K-A-T. So it was spelling K-A-T over and over and over and over. And I'm like, okay, she's literally right here like this. Which I will say this really quick. They could have been fucking with me. Right. Like there's always that aspect, you know, like they knew that I had no experience yeah. with it. I'm not accusing them of doing any of that by any means, but I want to put it out there because I'm it's not possible. I'm not in this pipe dream world of like, oh my God, like we had this you whole thing. You should ask your cousin or whatever. I should. I should. But basically it spelt out her name and, and she was even taken back by it when it happened and was like, dad, <laughs> like, yeah. is that you? Yeah. And it said yes. And then... um. It just kept spelling out her name and we kept asking if it was dad and it just kept saying yes. And then um, when we went to say goodbye, it went to XO over and over again, which is really cute. Yeah. Um, And like I said, they could have been fucking with me. And I say that because so (laughs) this part, I I don't know. I'm just going to say it anyways in, in the spirit of being authentic. So after that experience... My cousin wanted to talk to Michael Jackson, who had just passed away. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Which is ridiculous, I, I remember where I was when Michael Jackson I died. I do, too. So I was in a pizza place on vacation, and I was like, what? I was playing video games with my friend, and her dad came in and told us. Isn't it weird that like we remember 9-11, where we were? We remember when Michael Jackson died, yeah. when Whitney Houston died. Like, yeah. All of these really crazy shits. But anyway, the Ouija board spelt out nose. <laughs> which is really fucking funny. That is so funny. Like, true or not, I just think it's kind of hilarious. Yeah. So that was my first experience with the Ouija board. And honestly, again, they could be fucking with me, but hearing from my grandpa felt genuine. Like the look on my aunt's face wasn't one of like mis- mischief. Right. It was honestly kind of shocked that it worked. And if your cousin was fucking with you guys, it would probably be pretty boring just to say cat over and over again like maybe like something more spooky right right so that was my first experience with the ouija board which was exciting and thrilling and scary all at once i was also convinced after that that like i had a demon in my basement or something yeah so that added a whole level of fear um but now i want to get into some shit that i've seen oh yes so i've seen a handful of things that i would classify under the unexplainable i can explain them now right but right. like when it happened it was like it's still paranormal. there's no way that yeah. i could have experienced that so one experience that i have i was with a good friend of mine and we were in her bedroom one night and this friend of mine had also been brought up in the very strict religion that i have that I had been brought up in. Um, Hers was actually a little bit more intense than mine. And we were at her house and we had just gotten into like Oracle cards and stuff. Total secret from her family. So the fact they hated that I was there, but I was just there. Yeah. And we were in her bedroom and we had out our Oracle cards and everyone was asleep. It was super late at night. And we kind of meditated a little bit. And I remember, I think we intended to talk to her dad. Her dad had passed when she was a kid. And um, we were just kind of, 
putting that out there. Like, that's what we want. And she was talking about him and different memories that they had. And then we both smelt like food cooking. And um, I was like, what the fuck? Like, I smell peppers and sausage. Mm -hmm. Like, is someone awake? They're going to kill us. We have our Oracle cards out. And we walked downstairs and nobody was in the kitchen. I just, we, I smelt peppers and right and this was like late late right late like so after no one midnight. was like barbecuing outside no or definitely not this was probably like between one and three in the morning i would guess got it um so like really weird for someone to be cooking peppers outside at that point <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> i don't I mean, know maybe. maybe sounds like something i would do yeah but. maybe they were but anyway i smelt the peppers and we were like okay that's weird so come upstairs nobody's cooking I come to find out that um, her heritage is Armenian and peppers and like sausages and and things like that were something that her dad cooked all the time. Yeah. So, okay. Right. Definitely her dad. Yeah. In my brain at this point. But I'm still not fully convinced. I'm like, "Eh, maybe I made it up. I look up and when we were, where we were set up in her room, um, I could see a wall across the room and she had a rocking chair in a corner and I could see the shadow cast. I could see the rocking chair. And then I could see the shadow cast out of the rocking chair onto the wall. In the chair, nobody was sitting in the chair. It wasn't moving. It was just a rocking chair in the corner. In the shadow, the rocking chair was moving and there was a man in it. Jesus. With a big nose. <gasps> and they're Armenian. And they have big noses. Yeah. And um, I remember saying, I, I, did, I don't think I even said anything to her at first. I think I looked up and saw it and I was like, oh my God. And like looked away. Yeah, I was going to say, did you like look away and try and look back or like clear your eyes? I did that probably two times before I said something to her about it. And I was like, "Uh, dude, (laughs) (laughs) by the way, (laughs) whose rocking chair is that? Is what I said. And she said, that's my dad's rocking chair. And I was like, "Uh, okay, well, I'm seeing his shadow right now. And he's like rocking back and forth and like hanging out with us. Yeah. And I. I think when she looked back, she saw the shadow of the rocking chair, but she couldn't see it moving or anything in it. But every time I saw it, it was moving and there was someone sitting in it. So like you're both looking at the same thing and she's like, "There's it's it's just a yeah. shadow. It's not moving. And you're like, no, there's a man rocking in it. It's rocking back and forth and I can see his nose. That had to have been like a very prominent first, like you have an inner sight situation. That was the first time I had ever experienced anything like that. I had heard about it. I had heard about other people experiencing stuff. But for me to see that with my own eyes, and I still remember it, like it's not, it's it's forever in my brain because it was so insane Ugh. to me. And it's, if I couldn't see the rocking chair in the corner, like the physical rocking chair, no shadow, I would question my own experience. Right. But I could see the two. Then I had someone look at the exact same thing and not see what I'm seeing. Yeah. It's, I basically saw our dad that night. It's fine. Um, so that was my very first experience of like seeing things. And I'd like to point yeah. out too that as far as what I understand about like ghost apparitions and like it's not easy for them to do that because no. dead people or souls or spirits or uh, ethereal beings, fairies, Bigfoot, anything that falls into this category of like non-physical spirit or being has to put a lot of effort into showing itself to you because we're three-dimensional and they are somewhere above the third dimension. So they have to literally slow down their vibrations till it's matter or looks like matter. So that was probably an apparition that it was like the easiest form for him to come and show you was just like the shadow instead of 
fully appearing in front of you. And that is incredible. Not a lot of people have those kind of experiences. And that also shows how much her dad wanted to prove that he was there still. Yeah. And it was a really cool experience for her too. I remember we both got pretty emotional about it because it was just like, holy shit, you know, like that just happened. We, we did that. We yeah. <laughs> like, we sought that out and it happened. Um, so that was really incredible. Definitely, uh, spooky to a degree because that was the first time I had ever seen anything like that. So how old were you? Uh, 17, 18. Yeah. Couldn't be more than 18. Um, crazy. Yeah. So that was really cool. Um, another time that I want to talk about is, so that was a shadow, but I have seen like full blown apparition people yeah. before. Um, one of them, I remember, uh, I was in an, I was in my apartment with somebody I was dating at the time, one of my exes and we weren't on drugs. <laughs> Just to be clear. <laughs> Just to be clear for this one. <laughs> This one. <laughs> That's the, the key word Precursor. There. <laughs> so we had, I don't remember, I think I was in the bathroom and I came out of the bathroom and I was just looking down. Like I wasn't looking up. I was just looking down. I looked down when I walk and I saw like white legs. So I followed the white legs because I'm like, yeah, my boyfriend's here. And then I said something to him and he replied from behind me in the kitchen. <gasps> and I was like, uh... Like, I just saw a set of white legs right here. And so my, my apartment was not small. Like, you can't see where we are, but Sarah, literally like this big. It was really yeah. small. One bedroom, everything yeah. was on the same level, like pretty basic. And I fucking saw a set of legs walk in front of me for sure and thought it was my boyfriend's legs. And he replied from about 10 feet behind me. And then after that, we we like searched the whole apartment because I'm like, I don't know. And then after that, I don't think we really talked about it. Like he just. Did it happen again? No. So it's crazy. Not that specific thing didn't happen again. However, I have seen. I remember one time I was like semi lucid. And I, I think it, I think I was lucid because when I opened my eyes, I could see that I was in my bedroom. But I saw a man's legs with pants and he had his hands in his pocket and it was kind of old style like it wasn't like modern day suit it was like old pants and he had old kind of saddle shoes on um and I was laying in my bed sideways and I opened my eyes and I couldn't move it was the only time I'd ever experienced like sleep paralysis probably yeah and uh I opened my eyes and before I opened my eyes I could hear a swishing like like legs brushing together in the same apartment yeah yeah and I opened my eyes and uh saw a set of legs right by my bed like someone was standing next to me and i was too fucking scared to look up Uh, yeah i was too that time i was too scared i was just like no and i think i closed my eyes and like rolled over um i didn't experience anything else in that apartment i do know that the apartments were built in like the 40s or 50s because i did do some research into it after that so it was probably someone that had lived there at some time or worked there whatever it was beforehand um and i probably clearly not malevolent or anything no and that's the thing with this stuff a lot of the times even though i'm classifying this as spooky i didn't feel threatened i didn't feel like somebody was attacking me or haunting me it's still just unexplainable it's unexplainable i love about halloween it's out of the norm it's not something i can't like my i can't grab it 
Right. You know, you actually just triggered another freaking memory. I guess I have a couple scoop, spooky, scoopy, spooky stories that I'd be stories <laughs> that I didn't remember I had. But my mom lived in an apartment when my parents first split up and I was going every other week between their houses or my dad's house and her apartment. And she had a ghost mouse and everybody who went in that apartment saw it. They would look out of the corner of their eye and swear they saw a mouse run through the, the apartment and she set up traps. We would look everywhere. Like it would run under a counter or something. And you'd look under the counter. There's nowhere else it could have gone. Wasn't there. And we never caught any mice. But every single person that went in that apartment saw it. So yeah, that's, that's crazy. I saw my aunt's dead cat once. Oh, yeah. I was sitting in her living room and I had been, I stayed over there for a couple of days or a day or I'd just gotten there or something. And we were just hanging out and chilling and talking. And she had two dogs at the time. Um, who were alive and like they were not dead. Not dead. <laughs> they were just there. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't know you had a cat. And she just like looked at me and I was like, what? Like, <laughs> There's a like, cat. It's our cat. Love and your she, cat. Like pointed to her uh, like fire mantle thing that she had. And there were like all of the ashes of her previous cats. She was like, I don't have a cat anymore. So like I literally oh. saw one of my Anstead cats, That's which crazy. was pretty cool. And I, I just want to comment too, because like the whole purgatory thing that we were talking about at the beginning of this timeline, I don't necessarily think that these souls are like walking earth forever or whatever. I don't think they're trapped. No, exactly. And I just wanted to point that out because I think there is a lot of misconception with religion because there's this whole like you have to go to heaven or hell and if you don't you're like trapped or you're walking earth forever, you're in purgatory or something. And I don't really think it's like that. I think the worlds are all kind of overlaying each other. So at times they stuff slips through or if they want you to know they're there they make an effort to show you or if you are more you have an inner sight and you have more of an ability to pick up on these things which i definitely think you have (laughs) you you are going to attract these types of experiences because they know you'll you'll notice them so that cat was probably like Fuck yeah. My my <laughs> owner will know I'm here now. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like it was a cat. So that's like best case scenario for me to see a ghost. And yeah. I'd love to for see her, more cats. For sure. Summoning all cats. <laughs> you just like now. have have a ghost <laughs> cat. Like you're a cat lady, but they're all ghosts. You're like, yeah, I have all these cats. And Dream life. Like, what? <laughs> I love it. Um, so I do have a couple more. I do want to say I have two of them. Uh, I think two of them. One of them for sure. I do want to preface uh, that I was on a little bit of acid. <laughs> Just a little bit. A lot of bit. <laughs> Not a lot of bit. I was so. on acid. <laughs> Just leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> and if you've listened to any of this thus far, I take it you're the type of person that's probably pretty open to psychedelic experiences. Mm-hmm. So take with it, take it from whatever I'm saying and Believe it or not, I don't care. It right. happened. So I remember this one night, I was with a group of people. There's probably about seven seven or eight of us in, in my apartment, different apartment. Same apartment complex, though, which really? is interesting. That is interesting. We're all in the living room, and we had all, majority of us had taken a little bit of acid. And um, I forget what we were talking. We were talking about, actually, we were talking about Thrive, the documentary Thrive. Oh, yeah. If you haven't seen Thrive, it's a documentary that basically lays out the um, 
conspiratorial timeline. Yeah, social engineers. Um, it talks a lot about like who we are as energetic beings and why the social engineers want to harness that and control it and control us. So we were all talking about that. And um, that was the first time I had seen Zeitgeist like a couple years before, mm-hmm. but this was the first like conversation that I was involved in about these type of topics and I was tripping balls. So like that's weird in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what? You're like unlocking these certain parts of your mind and then literally depositing this information into them. I'm like hearing everything, everything from everything has an all seeing eye symbol in it to oh, God. the elections are rigged to we are energetic beings. I don't think adrenochrome was in Thrive. That's good. Maybe it was. I, I don't, don't remember. It, it, there was point, definitely human trafficking in Thrive. Yeah. At this point, I hadn't seen the documentary. We were all just talking oh, about it. Got it. So I'm hearing about all these topics. And then we ended up putting it on after the fact. Um, but while we're talking about all of it, I remember I we were all like kind of sitting in a circle. <laughs> and in between... I had one friend to my right, and my boyfriend was to my left, then there was one other person that I could see over here, and in in between my two friends, I saw an old man standing. Um, he was wearing like a suit vest and suit pants. So similar old time. Similar, which I remember recalling that nightmare dream thing. I remember calling, uh, recalling that, that moment that I had when I saw this guy, and in this setting with my friends, when I saw this old man, he had like a half bald head, really stringy gray hair, and a nose that had a big lump in it, uh, like a just a big lump yeah. right in the center. And all he, he wasn't doing anything. He was just standing there with his hands in his pockets, and he was listening to us talk. And he was kind of hunched in, like as if he were trying to hear more or hear clearer. Yeah. And he was just hanging out. And again, I did the same thing that I did when I saw the shadow. I looked at it, looked away, looked back. Still there. Did you have any other visuals going on at this time? Like, were you seeing other trippy shit? No, I was pretty much past that point in Got my it. trip. Coming so, down. Mm-hmm, this wasn't like a, I wasn't seeing kaleidoscopes on the ceiling. Right, right. You know, people's faces weren't melting off. Right. I just saw a freaking ghost when I was tripping. And like, that's what happened. So that's weird. Then I have lunch with my grandma three days later. And uh, we are at Wendy's. And she's just like eating her chili and Loki just drops the fact that she saw an old man in the corner of her apartment the other night. And I was like, what? Yeah, seriously. (laughs) So then she started to describe the old man to me. And the first thing she said was a half bald head and a big lump in his nose. Jesus. Come to find out she saw this, this thing the exact same night that I saw it. Oh my God. And obviously I'm not going to tell my grandma that I took acid, (laughs) but I was just like, yeah, grandma, I saw that too. And we like both didn't know what to say. I think she was just like, hmm. Cool. And I was like, (laughs) okay. (laughs) So that's, that's like probably one of the weirder things that have happened. I do have um, another scenario where I was not on any type of drugs and the grandma I'm speaking of had passed away and about, I want to say this was within a week to a month of her passing. I had walked back to my back room at the house I was living in at the time. And we had this like big sliding glass window and it was a house just down here. And I walked back um, to the window and I was wearing my robe. And in the mirror, I saw my body. I saw my reflection of my robe in the window. But then when I looked up, 
I immediately saw my grandma's face, but it wasn't her face before she died. It was like an earlier version of yeah. her, which I hear often happens yeah. with these types of scenarios. Like it goes back to a version that probably they're most happy with or, right. you know, whatever. And she came through the window and like literally threw my body and I got really freaked out. And then I never saw her again. Oh my God. But this experience was really intense. I like walked back and it was quick too. It wasn't like a, this happened that I'm explaining it like that, but it was very quick. I walked back. I saw my body in the mirror, looked up, saw her face. She went through my body and then it was done. Never saw her again. That's nuts. So yeah, that just is a lot of weird stuff that I've seen. Um, I'll end with probably the most impactful thing. And that was a visit that my sister had by a lady that came to her house looking for a armoire that my sister was selling on Craigslist. So my sister was just selling this piece and this lady replied saying that it was the exact piece that she needed for her collection to be complete. So this lady drives to my sister's house. Little did we know this lady was from Michigan. My sister lived in a different state. So right off the bat, right quite off the a bat, few it's synchronicities. Weird. Yeah. It's super weird. So she gets there and my sister's just expecting to like load this thing in her truck or whatever she brought. And then send her on her way. Yeah. And the lady's like, oh God, I'm just so thirsty. Can I come in for some water? And my sister reluctantly. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> invited her in. Yeah. And they were sitting at the kitchen table and she took a drink of water and then she started like flapping her hands everywhere and being like, okay, okay. Not my sister, the lady. Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. I'll say something. I'll say something. And my sister was like, what the fuck? Oh shit. Because yeah. like no one else was home. So yeah. like she's <laughs> like, uh, she's freaked out. Yeah. And the lady just starts asking her questions. Do you know a man named John? My sister said, yes. And then she said, do you know a man named Ed? And my sister just starts crying. So those two names were associated with two of our father's closest friends. And at this point, our dad had been passed away for probably mm, five to seven years. Okay. Five years or so, probably. And my sister had had no experiences with my dad since his passing, nothing. Um, So it was really significant to her that this lady was asking her these questions. And then she started saying that she's seeing a series of numbers, a series of tens and elevens or nines and tens or something. Uh, Nines and tens is what it was. We found out that my father had died on the ninth and we found out on the 10th. Oh my God. Again, this lady, we never knew her, knew nothing about her. She was talking and then she named other specific people in our dad's life. Oh my God. So it wasn't just two people. And this wasn't like she's just rattling off names and eventually gets to one no, that hit. No, it was intentional. It was right off the, like, it wasn't like, do you know this person? No. Okay. Well, what about this person? Right. It was like, do you know this person? And the answer was it's yes. And they're very significant and all related to your dad. Yeah. So... That happened. And then in the midst of this conversation, mind you, this is this is in the South. This is a different state. I'm still up North. I call my sister during this conversation. And my sister answers- Without knowing Without this knowing this is happening. I had no idea about the Craigslist. I didn't know. I was cleaning my apartment when I called her. And I think I was calling to like bitch about something. Like right. Something really like stupid. Yeah. And I noticed that my sister was crying. And I was like, what's, are you okay? What's going on? And she said it was allergies. Can I call you back? And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, whatever. Hang up, whatever. So my sister and I reconnect, which is how I learned the rest of the story. When I called, my sister looked at the lady and said, that's my little sister. And the lady said, pick it up. He wants you to answer it. So then, you know, I just told you the conversation that we had had. 
they continue on with their conversation post my sister hanging up with me. And the lady proceeds to tell my sister very specific things that her and my father had talked about before he had died. Um, So it was very much like specific to her. Uh, you know, told her things like he's thankful that you're taking care of Chas. Um, he really appreciates that, like you've honored what you've you've told him that you would do. Uh, asked her to keep doing so, and um, you know, typical things you would expect to hear from your deceased parent from the other side. So that happened. The lady also told my sister that when she was a little girl, my sister had asked her, like, how did, how did you know that you could do this? Like, when did this start for you? Did you just do this today? Like, have you been doing this for a while? Right. And apparently she had been interacting with the other realm side for quite some time. When she was a little girl, she said that uh, she got a message from God. And when she opened up her hand, there was a Pegasus floating inside of her hand, like oh, a miniature shit, pe- yeah. Pegasus. So this lady was on something she was on some other (laughs) level level, yeah you know being able to do all of that and um so my sister calls me tells me about the experience and as soon as i heard the words do you know a man named john instantly a huge hand came hit me on the back and i got the wind knocked out of me and nobody was in my apartment and i fell to my knees and then heard the rest of the story it was super emotional and like great at the same time a week goes by and I think my sister had heard from the lady. She had gotten home and the piece of the the armoire didn't even match her collection when she got it home. So what she thought was going to match the collection turns out did not match at all. So it was the completely wrong piece. And then um, about a, I don't know, period of time after that, my sister went to get in touch with this lady. And she knew that she had had her number in her phone because she put like the little angel emoji next to it. That way she would always remember, you know, who this lady was if Mm -hmm. they ever called again. And my sister went to look up the phone, the phone number, and it wasn't in her phone anymore. She didn't get a new phone, um, same phone. And it was like within a few weeks of the whole thing happening in the first place. And we never ever found out where the phone number went. We never heard from that lady again. And it's, it's literally never happened. We still don't know. That's crazy. Oh, my God. That's probably the craziest experience that I've had, even though it didn't happen directly to me, just because it was so specific. Yeah. So specific and a total stranger. We didn't seek out. She didn't go to a psychic. She didn't invite a psychic over her house. Like, she was selling an armoire. Right. And, yeah, that 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 would be a lot of work to go through just to go mess with a stranger. It's not even like you were asking for money or she was asking for money no. for this reading or anything. No. Cause like the skeptic in me is always like, well, did they look you up? Did they look your dad up? But like the chances of this lady just randomly looking up someone on Craigslist to find out about their dead family. Like it's just rude. five years after it had right. happened. It's just, it's just extremely impossible. And my sister, just for the record, didn't even make her pay for the armoire. She just told her to took it. That takes great. It, load it up yeah. and go home. Like, I mean, she got enough yeah. <laughs> value out of that interaction. Yeah. So that's crazy. I lots of that. experiences and apparitions and just different things I've seen. And um, I hope it continues to happen because it's confirmation that I do have an ability to see beyond. Um, and we all do. I, I really believe that. But it's really nice to have a confirmation for yourself that like something you intuitively feel you can do is actually happening Mm -hmm. and you have evidence of it. And whether people believe me or not isn't important to me um, because it's real to me. And that's 
what matters. And I'm a creator. And so if it's real to me, it is. Yeah, seriously. Um, I, I love that. I love spooky stories. You have so many of them and those are amazing. I hope everybody has a really great Halloween and I hope yeah. that you think a little more about what Halloween means to you and what it means on a grander scale because this is a, a very ancient and important holiday. It's not just some holiday for trick-or-treating and it's not it's not something to have a party and get drunk. It's it's something really important. So right. this episode was great. Um, I hope you learned something. And before we go, I have one more thing that I want to say. So I've been mentioning in our intros that we now have a value for value shop and we had our first donation. Um, if you donate over a certain amount, all the amounts and information are in the listing. So go to the link in the bio for more information on how you can get a shout out on the show. But our first uh, donation was from Peter Slavin. Slavin. He's an Thanks, awesome. Peter. Yeah. Thank you so much, Peter. He donated $50. And as of right now, that's the uh, highest donation only listing that we have. There's some other value for value merch where you can choose your price for a mug or a shirt or something like that. But he just donated to the show. He's a really awesome listener who's been listening since the beginning. And he's given us a lot of great feedback and information through our emails. So thank you so much, Peter. And again, if you want a shout out, he he foregoed the note, but you can donate a certain amount and we'll read your note on air. So if you ever wanted to add directly to the conversation, check out the Etsy it it really means a lot to us if you would do that. So again, thank you, Peter. And also Tori, uh, she got a value for value mug. She uh, just donated a certain amount. I don't remember how much it was, but I'm going to shout her out anyway because yeah. she was one of the first to buy our merch. So thank you again, Tori. And yeah, that's all I have to say. So we will see you next time. Bye. Peace. Boo! Did I get you? <laughs>